Welcome to Humanity. This is Osteris Oz Miller. Today I am joined by a good friend, an artist, a scholar, a movement maker. He is brilliant. Nearly as great as the greatest people to ever walk. But he's not. Why? Because he will become greater. Indeed, this is Khalid Johnson. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Khalid Johnson. Uh, I'm from Decatur. Mm -hmm. I attend Young Harris College, and I'm Black. Oh, okay. Okay. So we're right into it. So today, we're going to talk about a little bit of linguistics and talk about code switching and then the usefulness and then the proprietary uh, methods that we use code switching. Okay. So Khalid, start us off with a little anecdote. Um, so I attended predominantly white schools for the bulk of my early education. So like all the way through elementary school. And then I transferred to schools in my area, which were predominantly black. And you kind of pick up on like different ways of talking and not implying that one is inferior to the other. It's just different and culturally different. So there's a way that I talk when I'm with my friends back home. Or, or or among black people in general versus ways that I talk when I'm we're gonna say here at Young Harris because Young Harris I don't use certain terminology for example uh, divisive one the n word when I'm with my friends back home it'll come out a bit more freely and I have to, and I don't I'm not really checking for it as often mm. but up here to you know, stay within the realms of academia and just to kind of distinguish myself from certain tendencies that I may have, I I, I avoid using it up here and I avoid um I, I avoid a bit of the ebonics that I may employ when I go home. So like words definitely get articulated a bit more up here or or among my non black friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I understand this, right? And this is a common thing that we face, this amalgamous uh, sort of dialectical continuum in which we exist. So, right. So I, whenever I go to Atlanta, right, I put on, you know, I just talk like myself, right? It's obvious I'm not from Atlanta, right? It's obvious that I'm not uh, from, let's say, uh, Bowersville, right? Near Hartwell, not near uh, Boone in North Carolina. All right. But it's also clear that I I can comprehend how to use the, the sort of slang that's used around the vernacular, so to speak. I am comfortable doing so, right? I don't say the N-word, but that's that's not really anything that is relevant to this, I feel. Because like, Whenever other black people say the N-word, it's nothing to me, right? You know, but every now and again, right, there are people who live in this area who you can tell are doing code switching. Yeah. Who who are not black, uh, people who are white, right? And then they, they there's this slight thing. Whenever they get around you, they're uncomfortable with you. So they talk properly, right? Or with their accent, but they just they just talk how they talk. And then eventually, oh, he's not that black. So then, you know, we start we start hearing a little bit of stuff come out. How much we can push the boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Eventually you hear that N-word drop and then you put them in their place and they know they can't say it around you or they hit you with, oh, but my black friend, right? And then I'm like, that's cool. Your black friend doesn't speak for me, nor does he speak for everyone else or does she speak for everyone else? Or, but, but Jimmy, we talked about this in the last podcast where mixed students, uh, multiracial students are often used as a sort of token that's like whenever I'm saying the the N-word, but but you're half white, right? But as soon as you're not there and I'm talking in front of a and a black person calls me out for using the N-word, I'm saying my black friend immediately, they're no longer part white. They're no, black they're immediately friend. black. Yeah, yeah. Because you could then use them again, right? It commodifies so, them. Indeed. They're a commodity, right? And then we fetishize words. It's words that we no longer have command of. And even though we're still talking about code switching, I feel like it's important to get to this nitty gritty 
where we have an instance of this commodity fetishism, as Adorno would say. Of course, I had to say, as Adorno would say, because we always throw in a theorist. But we have a semantic slip where we have to navigate this plane of existence where we can speak a certain way amongst each other. But when we're around white people, right, especially Southern uh, white people, they, they look at us as though we're vulgar for saying the N-word or Negro or anything, right? But then most of them, whenever they go home, you know, the daughter, son starts dating a, a black person, a Mexican. You're going to hear some uh, pejorative terms come out. Like, oh, yeah, she's dating that. That colored boy. Indeed. <laughs> well, we're going to be in classroom and we're talking about a book that's written during the 17th century. And then though you're not directly quoting the book, you're going to mention, oh, yeah, this is how Negroes are represented. And then you're going to not even do a pause. You're in that code. You read this book and that's how your family speaks. So you don't even make that pause whenever some people feel uncomfortable about saying the word. You, you just went through it fluidly. I know I got to watch out for you a little bit. I know I know you might be a problem, right? Not saying you're a racist, but if it has stripes and feline canine teeth, you might be a tiger, you know, you might be a tabby. Either way, a bite hurts. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it on that. So we can continue on code switching. Khalil? I think it's just difficult to navigate because in circles, like my friends run in different circles that I that I typically probably wouldn't feel necessarily comfortable with, especially up here where, you know, there are the people who fetishize certain word usage and, mm. and, and fetishize the the slang that is employed by different cultures. And so I try to watch it because I'm like, I wouldn't want to use it and have somebody like I wouldn't want to use certain terminology or speak a certain kind of way and somebody take that as, well, you're doing it. So it's cool. Yeah. yeah. We we as as black individuals in this place, right? This school, I think of this, the school, Young Harris College in the mountains of North Georgia, right? This place that has heavy ties with racism and the Ku Klux Klan, right? This place is like a liminal space, right? Because I have no doubt in the inception of the school, we would have not been allowed to go to the school. However, now we're in this, this cool transitionary space where it's like an airport. So we have many cultures here, right? And then some people just feel the need, right, to to just go a little bit further. Oh, because I know these people now. I can use their terminology, right? And then cool. You can uh if you're referencing a movie like Medea, you, you do not have to talk like Medea. You can say those lines without saying it like her. Do I do it? No. Did uh, other black people do it? Yeah. Why? Because Medea people don't understand, right? They they like laugh at it, right? Medea is satirical, right? Medea represents that one aunt or that one grandmother, you know, that that aunt, that that mother, that sister, that cousin, who might be like that sometimes. But white people, uh, other races as well, other ethnicities say, ha, 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 ha. They're like laughing at it. And they're like, is that, and then they, they seem to have the need. To, is that really how it is? You know, always asking the, always asking the black person, is that really how she is? Right. Or we watch a, uh, a Filipino film. And then, you know, just go ahead and call out the person. Hey, hey, what are they saying? Like, I, I can read the subtitles. What are they saying? And be like, I don't know. I don't speak Tagalog. I'm, I'm Filipino. There's more than one language in Philippines. I don't watch that because uh, I can't understand it. You know, it's like you are the representative of your community here. So you, we have this sort of duty to represent uh, the, the best aspects of what it is to be black. Otherwise, these people will take it back to their home and then propagate whatever they've seen here, mm -hmm. right? So whenever we code switch, it's, it's as Garfinkel would say, a dutiful play. We are actors in this play of life. And we have to do this, not for our own protection, right? And I know I talked about this in the last podcast as well because we covered um, a similar topic, but this is important, this code switching, um, where we have no choice because it's for our protection. It's for our people who look like us protection. 
However, it's for the person, the recipient, right? The the most of the time, the white person, because if they go and take what we've done and they go and try to commodify it, use it on their own, they're gonna get hurt, right? Whether it be verbally or physically, they will most likely be accosted if one of us allows them, right? Right? Like there's this Panamanian individual who goes to school here, right? Who who looks black to American people. He looks um, he is of African origin, right? But he has a different cultural standing. He grew up in the States, but his his mother is um is white. So and his father really, I guess, just doesn't say that much. And um I don't want to make assumptions, but I, I've met I've met his family, so I these aren't assumptions. But this man stands around and then I hear his white friends saying the N-word, and he goes like yeah, I don't care because uh, I'm I'm not black. I'm Panamanian. And then I think, wow, you're not black, right? But whenever you come up, you say, what's up, bro? And then you start talking like you're from Atlanta, right? You, you come up to us and then you're magically black. But whenever you're around them, as to not cause problems with the people who you use as utility, right? You're no longer black so that you can sort of subvert your own being to make yourself not care, right? You don't code switch because you have no need. You automatically talk like them, right? But you code switch to us, right? So your neutral tongue sounds similar to theirs. So they just assume, oh, because he's talking like us, he's going to be straight with this. Once they do it once and you haven't tried them, they're going to continue to do it. And then eventually you as a Panamanian, right? And then you've told them you're Panamanian, you don't identify as black. You will be used as that token. This guy, this guy, Robert, he's he's black. I thought Robert was like from South America. No, 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 no. But but you can you can see he's black. And he says I can say that. And it's like, wow, wow. Because Robert was saying all the time, I'm not black, bro. But now he's giving out free passes, so to speak. It's a problem, Robert. Then you got, then you can't protect yourself. You didn't have this duty, right? Because now I, right, because that middleman is misrepresenting what you did because you didn't say anything. But the kairos, right, the, the breaks in between your speech, the, the breath, so to speak, the lagos, right, the, the, the word or, or the study of, as we call it, psychology, sociology, right? The, the lagos doesn't stand for the study of. It literally stands for the breath of, right? So this breath, right, the middle of your speech, the chirotic, the timing, right, is all they need. Your pause and then not disavowing what they said is an affirmation, right? And that's not consent by any means. But whenever someone wants something, it's well enough consent. Mm. I've run into similar with people that are that are black, like that are mm. African American, and you know it's funny um, because culturally, especially up here, in, the, in or in America in general, if you're dark skinned, you're 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 black. Yeah, one drop. You're you're black by by American standards, but like African American people on this on our campus, mm-hmm. um, give it out for for fear of not being problematic. Yeah. Because it's easier just to, you know, skirt by. Because at that point, you don't really have to. Code switching's not as difficult to do, I guess, if it's mm-hmm. just with like natural within conversation. But the same time, I, I, it makes me wonder if the individual that has, in essence, given out that inward pass mm-hmm. has has lost an element of. of of agency over over their over mm. their cultural tongue, you know, because in giving it out, and I've talked to people and they're like, I'm not particularly comfortable. I just don't feel like causing problems. Yeah. Plus, these are my friends. I I talk I talk with my friends, but at the same time, your friends are benefiting off of a certain apathy mm-hmm. and inability to effectively um differentiate what's okay and what's not okay within cultural contexts. Yeah, of course. We might as well go ahead and talk about the apathy, right? That occurs, right? So there are some people 
who you know. And then I know you've heard this before and uh, where you have, oh, she's one of the good ones or he's one of the good ones or he's black, but he's smart. All right. Or you're hanging out with a, a white friend right in the South, right? Because we can we can justify this with anecdotes. Right? So this is not necessarily logical. These aren't logical assumptions, but anecdotally speaking, we can make these claims. So on the few instances in which we've had contact, we can say these things have reigned true for us. However, there have been many circumstances in which they are not the same. So these generalizations, even though we say white people, you must give us sort of a benefit of the doubt to mean some white people. And even though we're not going to say it, you have to be generous with generalizations because you should know from listening to the podcast that we don't just flagrantly generalize here. Yeah. Hanging out with a friend. We won't name the friend. Right. They're talking. His parents are talking about some show. And then I hear friend's little brother saying, oh, but Asterisk is black. You know, sometimes Oz is black. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, Oz is black. And then his dad was like, yeah. And his mom's like, yeah, but he's like, he's like basically white because he, you hear how he talks. And then I turned to her, I excuse my language. I was like, hell no. I'm as black as I need to be. I am, I am dark, right? I, I'm white whenever it suits you in your conversation saying he's basically white because I'm intelligent and you need to propagate the stereotype that this generalization that black people are not intelligent and cannot speak uh, as you would call it properly, even though English has no standardization like French does or like Wolof does, right? We have Oxford and we have Webster, but those are those are just conventions. There are there is literally no body in the United States controlling formal speech. So you say, and you, they did not speak formally, right? Because they were difficult to understand as well. Oh, he he's basically white. And then friend looks at me. He knows, he knows I'm not down with that. Right. He knows, he knows his mother is messed up. And then I say, hell no. You know, I say this. And then She's like, oh, I didn't mean any offense. I just meant like you don't talk like like and every then, other black then, person. Then she then she paused because she knew exactly what she was. She she knew the rabbit hole she's about to fall down. And then like I was like, oh my, what have you done? And I like I, I, I like got up, I walked out, and then my friend came out came out the door. And he said, I'm so sorry, bro. I. Yeah, yeah, she's never actually said anything like that around us. But um, I was like, well, now you know. Now you know who your mother is. I was like, dang. He was like, but you know, I don't believe that. I was like, do I? Well, you tell me she's never said anything. Because maybe you're just, uh, maybe you do like me as a friend. And you want me to think that your mother has separate thoughts from you. But maybe whenever I'm not here, you just dismiss your mother. Like saying, okay, okay. Because saying okay is is neutral, right? But to people who want to hear it, it's an affirmative. Oh, he believes the same thing, right? Because whenever you tell your parents, you know your parents are wrong, but you can't say no, no, right? I do often, but I know some people don't don't have this kind of uh, uh, mental freedom to challenge the the archetypes that are set in place by their by their parents, right? by their guardians, by their parental units, what have you. Um, however, I could see it easily that his mother was saying things and he just stopped listening and then saying, yeah, okay, okay, mom. Yeah, sure. And then just literally closed it off, like did not allow the information to fully process. So I, I believe that he didn't know these things. But then, you know, obviously... He would have to engage in some of this discourse, right? Have a sort of code switch to where he was comfortable talking with the kind of ignorance that that abounds in this region, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, he's one of the good ones. I I guarantee there there were conversations about me before that, 
Like, oh yeah, what's he doing? Oh, he's going to college? Oh, he's he's going abroad? Oh, he's learning a new language, right? Oh, he's one of the good ones, right? You know, probably probably being slight of tongue, giving me a nickname because my name's too difficult to pronounce, you know, probably out there, like calling me, like, hey, yo, hey, come here, ATM. Yo, my, my name is my name, right? So they have this code switching, right? Whenever he's with his parents, grandparents, right? Whenever I was walking in the house, I heard him. He had that hard, hard twang, right? Whenever I walk in, oh, hello, how are you? Right? Just boom, immediate switch. Note. And then, you know, every now and again, whenever he's trying to make a joke, oh, you know how it be around here, though. You know, that that joke voice mm. where he goes into the his actual draw kind of kind of unsettles me a little bit. But I don't know. What do you have to do? I don't have any personal anecdotes per se. Um, not not in that regard, at least. Um I know for, like, I guess in analyzing my own personal prejudices, when I did transfer schools um, from elementary school, um, I definitely kind of frowned upon the, the 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 slang and cultural speak of the area that I was in, mm-hmm. and so in seeing in seeing black people talk the way that was popularized in whiter culture it kind of it kind of gave me like the air of intelligence over the other people that i was in school with which i had to take a step back and look at and be like that's so wrong and so problematic in so many different ways but um having to analyze that and come to terms with that you know makes makes you analyze the validity or or invalidity of there being a proper way to speak because language is a cultural and social construct. It does it, it, the way that it works and functions within a culture is purely dependent on that culture. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the thing is people, whenever people talk about the abonics, cause we're going to stay here cause this is what we can uh, adequately talk about. And then I'll bring in other instances from language and then other things but people who imitate it don't imitate it well you would think people who are going to like sort of oh oh no no no, i'm just joking i i don't mean it to be offensive if you don't mean it to be offensive right and you're doing it as a joke then i would prefer that you do it correctly right so like people would be like oh yo that's your aunt and then i'm like it's not it's not how it's done Right, you you're you're inflecting the T a little bit too hard. Right, you're you're whenever you say children in abonics, right? You don't say chillin', because that's chilling without the G. Mm-hmm. Right, you say chillin', right? Look at those little chillin' out there, right? So so there is a difference, right? Even though the words may look written the same as you, you doing a quick YouTube search of how to speak abonics, right? And somebody tells you. They don't add them to a sentence, right? The words change depending on their place in the sentence, right? It's a very complex uh, movement, right? They don't just free float, right? Like whenever I say address, you you know I'm talking about uh, the verb. Do you address her, right? Or am I talking about the the noun? What's her address, right? And versus address, right? So now. I've confused you as an audience. You're like, wait, I thought the other one was the verb and the other one was the noun. But now you see that it's not simply that way, right? Or uh, like some people can recognize whether someone's faking their Southern accent immediately by the way they pronounce y'all, right? Like it's not y'all, it's y'all, right? Or I'm probably saying it incorrectly because I don't use that word, <laughs> but you can you can get the point, right? So I have like a lot of abonics words over here pulled up. I'm just gonna say a few of them, the, the way that would be said whenever someone's imitating us, right? And then we have there's also this code switching in North South Carolina coast area with a language called Gullah, which was spoken by the 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 slave uh, 
African diaspora people and it's dying out, right? These people are saying that's informal, but the language is so beautiful, right? Because it flows, it takes out all the hard little stops of English and it applies some African uh, syntax. It, it's the, the language flows better than standard English, though it may be a bit difficult to understand at first. If you speak English, right? That's the one biggest problem with people who apply code switching people pretending as though they can't understand you, right? It's a, it's a true problem, Cody. I, I think it's just a means of asserting in intelligent su superiority in a sense, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's like, I speak quote unquote proper English and I speak the proper way and somebody else's pronunciation of certain words or usage therein is it's like you don't use them the way that i have been taught in the way that it has been ingrained within society or the way that it has been ingrained within society the way like the certain standards that i adhere to mm -hmm. that automatically puts you below me yeah and so when you pronounce words a certain way that we may not be accustomed to hearing or we're not necessarily open to trying to understand under the lens of it being valid, it's easier just to play it off as, oh, you're, you're, you're speaking nonsensical or you're mm. speaking unintelligibly. Yeah, absolutely. So we have, we have like, so what's a common one that you hear like that, that, that actual people say, because it's easier in like Atlanta, right? I have a few, I have like dropping the T in words, or like the P, like, uh, like dental, mm. dental uh, sounds like the TH, like, uh, see, it's already difficult for me. Shifts to like a D. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So like, uh, we have like Chris, which is like crisp, right, right? Or we have like brother, which is like brother, but the TH, right, is so hard in that, it doesn't flow. You can't talk quickly with a sort of a bonic flow if and it's different for different regions right people black people abonics in 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 oakwood right in georgia is far different from like highland park in california mm. or michigan or wyoming there are very few people of color in wyoming but <laughs> <laughs> but but there are some and you know in minnesota they don't do that the one that people always do they love impersonating Minnesota accents and then no one ever does it right. You can tell they're not from Minnesota. They don't even sound Canadian. I don't, they just make them sound like they're ignorant. You know, like I'm from Minnesota. No one actually sounds like that. I've talked to numerous people. I've been to Minnesota. You do have some intense accents in Minnesota, but the one where they're inflecting the O and the A so hard, that's not natural. That's force. That's why British people say most Americans who try to fake accents are obvious. But the American most, the standard Hollywood American accent, which is Midwest region mm. modified, is actually one of the easiest accents to falsify. Because it's like, it's, it's nearly neutral, right? The, the vowels are reduced in number, right? Uh, Aunt, you don't even have to worry about that sound really. You can just say aunt. That's my aunt. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can simplify everything, right? There, right? They plus R just becomes there. And then you have there and then there. And then, well, if you don't speak English that well, let's hope they write it. <laughs> Cause like, yeah, the the code switching is 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 brilliant. It's it's powerful. The Ebonics, right? Chicano, right? Chicanas, uh, Latinx people. The the code switching is, whew, it's incredible. Whenever I hear someone going from Spanish to English, English fluently, and it happens so frequently yeah, yeah, up here, yeah. And and you can and you can and you can tell like within certain circles, um, the the level of comfort that comes with using one particular code. Yeah, but like it. it in, in truth, because we have uh, students here from Mexico, uh, Chile, Bolivia, uh, Argentina, 
Spain. So they all have different words, right? But the the way, right? They don't say a word, right? Because at 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 the beginning, whenever they were all here together, they're probably just trying to speak all their dialects of Spanish, right? But then eventually they realize some of those words just are not existing, right? So eventually, instead of trying, they would just say the English word. And now you hear them. They all speak Spanish fluently as their first language. But every now and again, you'll hear an English word in mm -hmm. there because it's just easier to transmit to the whole group instead of explaining, oh, in Chilean, in Bolivian, in Argentine, in Spain, right? That is just easier, right? Like people, we have students here from Barcelona who, who just speak Catalan as their first language. And then they're just code switching on the phone in Catalan with their parents to Spanish, right? Which their parents can understand. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's just like easy, easy for them, right? Like there's another student here who speaks French and Kiswahili, right? I, um, I speak with him in French, right? English most of the time. Uh, so we speak, we switch between, we most of the time speak French together because people around these parts are nosy. So, <laughs> so we're most of the time speaking French. And if he, and if he's like, right, because we both lived in, we, we both live in the States. So if he doesn't know a word in French or I don't know a word in French, we were tempted to say it in English, but then we're like, no, catch on, right? Because it's not like we're trying to hide information, but people really, whenever you start speaking another language, they're, they're thinking that you're talking about them mm -hmm. or they're trying to jump in your conversation, right? Because I have nothing to hide, but whenever people start looking at me, because America has no official language. I can speak whatever. I can speak Klingon if I want. I could go to Senate right now, step in, start filibustering in Klingon, and they will not kick me out. But isn't that like the irony of America in general? Yeah. We don't have an official language, yet people that don't adhere to the more the most popular language mm -hmm. are, are, are almost persecuted. Yeah. Like within, within society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, it's... It's very true, Khalid. People often say, you're in America, speak English. And I remember watching this video of two um, women speaking uh, Navajo, it was. And then someone walked by and said, you're in America, speak English. <laughs> and one of them laughed and said, you're in America, <laughs> speak Navajo. <laughs> and then he was like, what? And she goes like, do you? Do you not know the Navajo? Because we most certainly know you. Because every single time you make yourselves a parrot that you're here. And we can't do so because there are barely any of us left. And then I was like, wow. That just resonates that the people who came in as a minority and just took so much, right? Not, once again, wide not sweeping, all white people. Wide sweeping generalization. <laughs> we mean some, right? I know some people have already tuned out. He, he hates white people. <laughs> I hate no people. We are all one people, one crew, so to speak. If the kids are watching that 100 show or whatever, we're all one crew, <laughs> you know? Uh, so like, yeah, but there are these differences. Not talking about psychological, right? Not talking about innate genetic differences. There are simply differences due to socialization and the way in which the hierarchy of our society is formed. And I know someone told me I say the word hegemony a lot in all these podcasts. So hegemony is simply one power that has systemic control over a society, whether it be sociological, political, economic, militarily. Even though we're on code switching, let's just go ahead and address this. People will say there is no such thing as a hegemony anymore if that's it, because white people... Yeah, sure, we we ruled this land for, for a little bit, right? And I hate the term ruled this land. It's disgusting. But Barack Obama, a Barack Obama was allowed to be elected. That's just it. He was allowed, allowed. right? <laughs> Barack Obama, even though I feel as between the candidates, not revealing any political views here, even though I feel between the candidates, Barack Obama was the best qualified at that time. Joe Biden was by far one of the most qualified um, vice presidents possible. Yeah. If you hear the backlash that happened, right, it's because all the people who on the left who were talking, talking decided to vote this time, right? It's because of the one elected before, people have a reactionary response 
right? Oh, we can't let that happen again. Boom, we vote. Oh, we're safe. I don't have to vote anymore. We're safe. You know, the new one comes along, Donald Trump. And then you have, the, you have the same issue again where people yeah. are like, well, dang, I didn't vote because I thought it was in the bag. Now, now we're talking a lot, right? But all these, um, all these other people are just sitting like, I didn't have to say anything because I, you know, we, regardless, we don't speak. We have power because we don't have to speak. We already know everyone like us is going to vote because we don't want anything like that to ever happen again. Right. And now we're now we're rioting as a country. We're uproar. And next election, we'll probably swing back th to the left. Why? Because everyone's upset. We can't let that happen again. And then next election, the pendulum goes back. We're safe. And everyone knows this, but everyone applies what I call the party paradigm, which is not called the party paradigm, but, you know, it makes it easier. Where, oh, if, okay, so if you take it from, from the first person at first, well, if Joey doesn't go, I'm not going to go. Or, cool, I'm not going to go because the party's dead. But if everyone said that, the party would be dead. But if you told, if you just made one phone call and you, you stretch the truth a little bit, oh, yeah, you should go to the party. I heard it's going to be dead. Nah, Khalid said he's going. And then, boom, call the next person. Okay, okay, I'll go. Call the next person. Khalid and Sarah said they're going to go. Khalid, Sarah, and John said they're going to go. Then you start building up the works, building up the works. Eventually, you got a full roster. And then everybody sees, oh, they're, they're all posting it. They're all voting. Boom. They're all doing it. I got to jump in. Oh, my friends, they're going to judge me. Let me jump in. I'm in. Boom, boom, boom. Then you have a movement. And you're like, ah, oh, we're safe now. Uh, then you have the other side of it, right? Oh, since every uh, famine and affluence, a paper written by Peter Singer, you, you see the little uh, thermometer thing for donations, right? And you donate big whenever it's low. But once it starts getting towards the target, people start donating less and less, 50 cents, 25 cents. Oh, it's getting close. Since people already donated this much, I only have to donate a little bit, a little portion of my salary because everybody else is doing it already. But if everyone did that, then it would just not reach the, not reach the top, right? Because then you start getting comfortable. You start mm -hmm. getting complacent. Oh, everyone's doing it. So that means I probably don't have to. But if... If uh, a million people do that, what was just one person is a million ones. That's that's a lot of people. That, that swings an election. Heck, 50,000 swings an election. 10,000 could swing an election. You know? And yes, we have the Electoral College. My vote doesn't actually matter. That's not a... That's you, The Electoral College, right, follow their constituents. So... Yes, they can choose whether or not to follow their constituents, but there's going to be a big uproar if 90% of your constituent group votes one way in the electoral college seat. Now I'm going to vote the other way. See, that's different. If it's 54 to to uh, 46, then you know they 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 can make the decision themselves, right? But whenever it's that that big of a swing, they're they're not going to try their constituent group because no. that's it, it's it's pretty much political suicide. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> So back on code switching, all right, we're going to continue with that <laughs> because I feel that we, we went far, far removed from the topic as it would appear. But as I always do, I just need you as an audience to just, as listeners, to just hold the first point that I had and draw me back. And because I know you're all listening and you're very attentive listeners, I know that I got to the political system from the people talking who apply the, the de facto language, which is English, right? And then we went back. We were at Navajo, which came from us talking about Chicano, who do the perfect code switching. I'm never lost, audience. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm never lost. <laughs> because when I am, I can always be found because of you. You always bring me back. Don't worry. So back on code switching. Even politically, we kind of code switch. Mm -hmm. um, there, there, there are certain political conversations that we would avoid having mm -hmm. within the confines of 
of young Harris. Yeah. That we would feel more comfortable having anywhere else. When I go home, um, it's easy to discuss. I'm not going to say all politics because, you know, the older generation has some viewpoints that I may not particularly agree with or, or may just be, you know, too far one side for me. Mm -hmm. But generally I can go home and discuss things a bit more at length and freely than I could up here because up here it's, it's the complete opposing position of that of many of my peers here. And so having to know what like like when would i say is too far politically without uh without kickback mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i feel that this is a brilliant time to to bring in a theorist right and then people have af- often asked me oh why are your theorists always european do you have anyone that that is not necessarily european and then as as it just so happens, because Khalid has suggested code switching today, because we let Khalid pick the topic. Brilliant, Khalid. Thank you. We have Franz Fanon. And I know what some people are going to say. Ibrahim Franz Fanon was French. Ibrahim Franz Fanon was black. <laughs> and he just so happens to have French citizenship, not by choice, <laughs> and certainly not uh, want to keep it during the spread of World War II, whenever the Vichy government, the collaborative government with the Germans was in place, and then people were being slaughtered on the streets of Fort de France, of Saint Anne, people were being taken away as, as collaborators with the others, right? Where he had to join the, the free French army to go to Dominica, which was held by Britain, in order to fight, right? Where Ame Césaire led the Negritude movement right, where we have him writing his book, right? Let me, let me think of it. What is it called in English? It's called Black Skin, White Mask. Yeah, yeah. That was the, I, I've just recently learned about yeah, that yeah. one. Paul Noir, Mask Blanc, right? We have an instance in which we have literal code switching, assimilation, and then alienation. So I'll go through the reductive process right now. You have black bodies as we're represented by the media. We are black, clearly, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) We exist in a space where we can't be too black because then we're a bunch of words. A a bunch of negative negative (laughs) words. We can't, and then, so we attempt to change our vernacular. We, we, we learn of the Western philosophies. We do everything, right? We, we become academics, right? Not in the same way that people in the Mali, in the Mali would have learned to be the academics, right? People in the Mandan Empire, right? Which I hate calling an empire because Mansa Musa was no emperor, right? Because empire is such a loaded term and European. Because empire is literally Latin in origin. We this this imperialism is is a construction of a hegemony, right? Sure, we had groups raiding each other. We had massive, wide sweeping, uh, ubiquitous kingdoms in Africa, in Asia. But but this 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 terminology empire is inherently Western. So we have the time of imperialism. We have the Vichy regime. We have uh, Paul Noir, Mas Blanc, right? We have Franz Fanon talking about people having a code switch, right? Eventually you start assimilating. You start wearing the same clothes. You start emulating directly the ones who have power. Why? Because you start to dress like them, act like them. They become more comfortable with you. You start to attain more power, right? But like with Barack Obama, right? Even though I believe that he was the best qualified, right? There's a point. There's a a penultimate that you can reach. You can never reach the ultimate. You can only reach next to the ultimate. So you're gaining power. You're gaining power. Boom. Moving up. Moving up. And then you reach a point where magically, oh, they start to notice you. And then it's like, <laughs> look, 
you 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 sound intelligent, but we know you're just repeating what what people like us have told you. So we know that you're not actually coming up with original ideas. You're just you're just emulating us. You're still just a body. You're you're just like everyone else. You just happen to have knowledge. Cool. You're you're one of the good ones. You're one of the smart ones. But the rest of your people are ignorant, right? Which is funny because like I remember I if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it was you that made the statement about having to um having felt like you had to justify yeah. your statements by using theorists mm-hmm. as ways to further val- validate yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I used to have to do this all the time in, in just colloquial language. Like people would look at me and then it would like other friends who were philosophers would say stuff. And we would be like, yeah, whenever I would say stuff, people would like look at me and like sort of think, oh, this guy's just making up stuff. And then I encouraged them. Pull out your phones. Don't just believe anything I say, right? Check me. Fact check me. Please try me, right? So I start using theorists to back up my argument. Eventually, I stopped caring in colloquial language. I was like, either you're going to believe me or you're not. And I still have instances of people saying, oh, you're just full of shit. And I'm like, cool. If that's what you want to believe, you're you're lost in this discourse until next time. Because the conversation has to be receptive. There must be reciprocity. I can't speak at you i can only speak with you right speaking at you that's not a conversation that's a lecture and i'm not in the mood to do that i'm trying to learn something from my interactions with other people i don't just want to teach because i'm not a teacher i am what i would consider a scholar i'm trying to learn i have placed myself in the same position of assimilating right back in the day i would place myself in a position near assimilation Though I'd still dress like myself and I would not like conform. People would be like, yo, your clothes are weird. I'm not, I don't care what you think about my clothing, right? I'm going to wear sometimes my tribal garb. I'm going to sometimes wear some Western clothing. I'm doing what I want to do. You're not going to tell me what to wear, right? So eventually one in this situation, right? The black, the black person wearing a white mask, so to speak, a facade is there. They're learning all these classical languages. They speak Greek. They speak, they speak uh, French. They speak English. They're learning all these languages. Boom, Latin. They're up there. They're in university. Eventually, somebody goes like, "You're just black, right?" <laughs> like, like out of pocket for no reason. Just, just directly stating the obvious, right? And then, one is faced with the process alienation, where. I've obtained everything and I still am not an equal. I am alienated from the very people who I wasn't trying to emulate, but who I was trying to be an equal to. And you begin to realize, looking at yourself in the mirror, oh my, I've permed my hair or I've relaxed my hair. I'm standing here. I'm speaking in one of their languages. I'm going to one of their universities, right? Once again, generalization. I am studying philosophers who have nothing to do with me, right? I'm learning about their religions. And I am alienated from them. But moreover, I'm alienated from myself. I don't know who or what I am now because I have tried so hard to be their equal. I have almost become like them. And then it took that that instance, right, that, that shot to the heart, so to speak, that showed you they still don't see you as like them. I think one of the points that did that for me um, while being up here was one of the panels where, I'm pretty sure it was the white fertility panel, mm-hmm. where affirmative action, no, that was the racial symbols. Affirmative action continuously got, re, got addressed mm-hmm. because people could not seem to grasp the concept of you know, starting points. And and the reasoning behind it, yeah, and it, it kind of had me questioning, you know, what people honestly think about how I got to the point of yeah, yeah. of being in college. Yeah, uh, thank you, Khalid. These people um, always talk about, well, it's not equal because they get so much more help to get up here, but the the hegemony makes it unequal in and of itself. We get we get. And I say we, I don't really mean we, but like people, right, sometimes need those assistances, Pell Grants, 
um, Equalization Fund, Hope, Zell, right? People who have intelligence, right? Because I think all people have intelligence. Some people just don't access the right one, or maybe it's not for, for university. Maybe you're good in some other way, and then you should not be accosted for that. You should do whatever you feel your best qualified or can be qualified to do. So whenever we talk about like affirmative action, right? We are actually, whenever they're talking about equality, right, it's the same thing with states' rights. They're, they're not talking about equality. Because if they knew anything, right, if they could see past their own ignorance, they would know that affirmative action is for equity so that we have the same starting point, right? So imagine you have a six foot nine man who's looking over a fence. He can clearly look over the fence and you have a four foot nine girl, right? Or a four foot nine boy, what, what have you, right? So the person can see over the fence, right? Two feet taller. Equality would be giving them both a two foot box to stand on. Equity, it's putting the girl. It's putting the girl at the point where she can see it the same. The rate same. That he can. Yeah. So that's the brilliance of equity. And and I don't think I've heard many Americans use equity. But whenever I lived in Oceania, right in New Zealand, equity was a term that was often used with Tefano and like and Maori and other Pacifica, right? That the government is trying to achieve equity for everyone because of the atrocities committed against the indigenous populations. Equity is the importance, right? So that we all have the same starting point. That's, that's it. That's what we need. We need equity right? on the left, talking about equality. What they, they are doing is equity. We have to, once again, be generous and know that they're talking about equity. But whenever we have people applying these dog whistles, bringing up affirmative action, we know that they don't even care whether it's the difference between equality or equity. We know they're bringing this up because it, it highlights them to other people, right? Oh, they think like me. They're, they're defending my statement. Good. They, they think like me. And whenever I come in and tell them equity and equality, sometimes people try to shut me down and go like, oh, it's just semantics. It's not just semantics. They are two different words. They, <laughs> their their <laughs> usages are, are apply very yeah, differently. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not the, the same. Whenever we, perhaps at one point, they evolve from the same word, similar to equilibrium. We're, we're just... Equity is the word that feeds into equilibrium. We're trying to obtain equilibrium. Equality, right, is a similar term, but the modes of function are different, right? Because with equity, we obtain equality of start or equality of, of beginning, resolution, right, which is the opposite, which is the end, right? Because now they can both see equally what's on the other side of the fence. Yeah, nosy. But that's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the problem with equality is they think, oh, they they want they want us to split our money. They want us to give us that money. And yes, that would be socialism, communism, even right. Marxist communism, not the same kind of communism that we see everywhere. Mm. However, that's not what people are talking about. Whenever we have all these funds being wasted, right? Whenever whenever we have Mad signing a rider bill onto transportation acts and roadwork acts. That, that reduce or increase the drinking age to 21, right? People don't understand. Whenever they're talking about states' rights, states have given up their rights for federal mandates and, and assistance, right? So I can talk about this now since I brought it up. Might as well explain to people. So states can set their drinking age at whatever they please within reason. The only problem with this, right, and then people from these states like Idaho, uh, Midwest states, and uh, Texas and Louisiana can attest to this. There was a rider bill proposed by MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, that said we, they, they, they boycotted, they filibustered, they did everything, they got signatures, and then eventually they got it approved, they got it added as a rider on this bill. That with a new transportation act that helps do road work to fix roads, federally funded to fix local roads, highways. Obviously, there are some that the county still have to handle, but most roads in a state 
are federally subsidized. If you want your your roads federally subsidized, you have to sign this bill along with the rider. So if you want your roads to not have potholes in it and you don't want to pay for it and it have to increase your taxes, in which case your populace is going to get mad at you, then you're going to have to sign this. So states start ratifying it, you know, then there are a few holdouts. Clearly, Louisiana was a holdout. And in some parts of Louisiana, it seems like they never signed the bill because they don't even ask for the idea. <laughs> but, but, you know, there are their places. And then even people who are older, like who who were around, because this is it's relatively recent that all the states ratified this, where they just don't address it. Like young people are like, why do I have to be 21? And parents are just like, because you have to. They don't even tell them about the time before, which which kind of upsets me because these young people actually don't know the reason. They just go like, I hate the I hate the strong government because their parents hate the strong government and then they're using that as a reason, right? But states' rights. Your your state's rights, your state signed this bill. Your state had a choice. And then you would have been mad about that choice or about that inaction. Oh, these roads are bumpy. Dang it. My my car's tires keep getting popped. Dang it for the state not not fixing my roads. The state didn't have enough money because then they increased your taxes. And what? And you get upset. Then you get upset. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the the ultimatum, the false dilemma, right? The government gave to these states. Either you don't sign this bill and you don't get help with your roads, or you sign this bill and you increase alcohol age, age of drinking. And then you get help with your roads. So people are like, well, well, I don't, I don't like either option. The state could have chosen another option. How about we don't sign the bill? Uh, we don't raise the drinking age. And you still give us money that's owed to us because it's a fiscal allocation. You know, the government's probably say no. But, you know, that's not the only two options. You're exploring a different option, yeah. Yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> But but you're still addressing it, right? And though once again you think we're we're off code switching, but I know the title of this podcast, and we're gonna get back to it. I'm just addressing these one problems that were addressed in this uh, racial symbols uh, that we're talking about, which also has to do with code switching, right? Because it had to do with affirmative action, and it had to do with minority groups who oftentimes are code switching. See, I'm never lost. I'm coming back to it, though. We're finishing about this mother is against drunk drive. This is also why we have so much trouble finding topics for podcasts, because I talk about everything on this podcast. And I apologize. But don't you feel more educated? You see? I just code switched. That wasn't even a word. That wasn't even a box. <laughs> that, that was funny, though. I'm glad you laughed at it. Anywho, so the states had a choice, right? Some states tried to fight it. Eventually, the people got mad. What about these roads? States fix the roads. The roads get fixed. Why did you increase the drinking age? States try to explain. Boom. You have a complete turnover <laughs> of, of all the representatives because people are mad. Now it's just status quo. Why is the drinking age 21? Why does the government do that? I always hear these, these young people who are also the ones who are mad about code switching talking about states' rights. Why is the drinking age so high? And they don't do their research. They don't do research. Golly gee, I wish the strong government would... uh. Help Michigan with the water issue. Flint, Michigan. You know, we got to mention it every podcast. <laughs> We're looking out for you guys. We're trying. We're trying. I'm coming up to Michigan soon. I'll be in next week. Well, this week, since you're going to listen to the podcast on Saturday, I'll be in Kentucky. I'm thinking about driving up to Flint, Michigan, because I want to check out. I want to I want to blockade your state building for you, because this is a real problem. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of people getting sick. I'm tired of this. Anywho, back on code switching. <laughs> so, Khalid, what else? Um, just just in the regard of of our of our campus culture, mm. one of the funniest things that I think I've heard when talking about young Harris is different things are okay because we live in the bubble. Yeah, of Young Harris College. And so when when you'd when you'd switch and or or, or you'd hear a, a white person, not all white people, but you know, certain specific white people mm. switch and use 
slang and terminology that yeah is not inherently like within their cultural mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just, like within sense. their cultural I'm speak i'm following and and maybe offensive things are said mm-hmm. within young harris we're like well it's young harris it's okay because it's young harris and we know that this does not leave young harris however i had a personal situation over last year's spring break where i was in gulf shores alabama mm-hmm. and me and a group of friends went out to a restaurant restaurant manages to turn into a nightclub and the song that gets played is my nigga by yg mm. okay okay i'm fu- i know what's and happening so i notice uh some of the people that i came with mm. or i guess a individual okay. That, okay that i came with attached to a couple other individuals that happen to know each other start singing the song and i notice me and my black friends discomfort at it because we we've monitored the way that we've held ourselves yeah especially in public because we're like you know this wouldn't be acceptable especially especially if we want to avoid Mm. any problematicisms within our friend group yeah and watching it we hit this level of discomfort that we just had to leave but everybody was like it's okay within young harris yeah and the inability to code switch even though it's not appropriate here the inability to code switch when you leave from here and go somewhere else and and manage to find yourself in a situation where it's doubly not socially acceptable whereas it's already not acceptable socially it's just the bubble of young harris and I hate the term, but makes it acceptable. No, Khalid, I completely agree. I've encountered instances like this. Um, it is, it is prevalent. It's a problem. It is a real problem. People often think because they hang out with certain people. Right? We mentioned it in the last podcast with Alejandro Lemus Gomez. If you haven't listened to it, please listen to it. Alejandro is another brilliant speaker, just like Khalid. We talked about the show Dear White People. If you haven't seen it, I don't know if it's been renewed for another season. It has been. Excellent. So you can go and see it. Then you can catch up. Then you can come talk to me about it. Then you can come watch it with me. We'll let you in the room. We'll all watch it together. It'll be nice. But anywho, we're getting pretty close to the, uh, to the edge of this podcast. And I say close to the edge, that's not real. Because we could talk forever. But I guarantee you don't want to listen to us talk forever. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're going to get there. So we have instances of people feeling too comfortable, I would say. You know? Oh, but we're in, we're in Young Harris. This is, a, this is a safe space. I play baseball. He's, he's one of my friends. He's black. He says it. I can say it. You know, I lived in a black area. I can say it. We used to say it all the time to each other. That's cute. That has nothing to do with me. I mean, if you're trying to trip and fall on your face, then go ahead and keep saying it. You know, but that's all I got to say about that. You know, Lee, you got anything else? Got anything else to say? No. <laughs> not that I can. Not, not that I can think of at the moment. Nothing at all. Nothing. Not really. Nothing. <laughs> Ain't got none to say. I, I noticed the code switching. Yeah, I'm, at, yeah, I'm asking you a question, <laughs> right? And I, I note the, uh, the the slang and southern twang that have that have found okay. its way into your into okay. your voice real quick. Would you prefer they talk like this? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm code switching right now. Nah, I ain't got nothing in it. <laughs> I ain't got nothing bad in it. Ah, or. Oh, uh, before I sound like I'm, I'm from uh, Tuscaloosa. <laughs> you know, I was, I was serving in the army. And, you know, uh, I did not kill those girls. You know, uh, I'll take the electric chair, okay, officer, but I ain't do it. You know, I'm just an angel of the Lord. <laughs> but anywho, well, this is End Defensive Humanity. Khalid, you have nothing further to say? No, nope, thanks for listening. Thank you, everyone. Well, 
we appreciate Khalid Johnson for coming on. You know, he's a good friend. We hope that he comes on in the future. We said that about a lot of people. And then, you know, we have at least eight podcasts left. Because, <laughs> uh, we got to have everybody on at least one more time. Next week, we're talking with Paco Craig, professional soccer player with Louisville Football Club. He has a degree in communication studies. So we might talk about that. Or we might talk about that mad, the Mothers Against Drunk Driving, who I went on a tangent about. Could talk about rider bills, talk about soccer. I don't know. Since you're listening to this and you're going to obviously go follow us at uh, young underscore pygmy and then submit some topic ideas for me so that we don't have to come up with on the fly like we usually do. <laughs> and you can follow Khalid Johnson. Khalid? At Khalid J16 on Instagram. Khalid J16. Khalid. K-H-A-L-I-D-J number 16. That's him. Well, this has been the longest outro I've ever done. And uh, <laughs> I feel like we could have done a whole podcast like this, but um, this is obviously my podcast ending voice as well as my beginning voice. And uh, this is code switching. But for now, goodbye. <laughs>